Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. And I have to tell you, I'm wearing a shirt today. The uh, lovely Joanne, she brought me a shirt back from back east. And it's, uh, it's donkeys. It's donkeys. And they say they made the best cheesesteaks. Now, growing up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, we would go to Philly to get cheesesteaks. And in donkeys, it's in Camden, New Jersey, which isn't the best area. And I saw it on Anthony Bourdain. He actually had it on his show. And they make the cheesesteak different. They make it with a Kaiser roll instead of a hoagie roll. And they have sesame uh, poppy seeds on it and it has american cheese and joanne had one she said it was amazing so she brought me a shirt back and you know i always wear my shirts with my guests and i different shirts when i get a new shirt i wear them so i had to wear it today so i'm wearing the donkeys and if you're in south jersey near camden or in near medford they have donkeys too and it's t-o-o cute name donkeys too go check it out anyway we have a great show today uh we have a a, a very uh, great actor on and we were talking before uh it's Morgan Shepard. How you doing, Morgan? Hi. Good to meet you. Good to meet you. Now, I know I was saying, I didn't know if I should call you William Morgan or W. Morgan. And I, see, I love the W. Morgan. Like, yeah. like if I was going to be a writer, I'd be S. Scott Cooper. That would be my name. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah some people do that. Um, I had to do it because when I came over here 27, 27 years ago uh, for the, for the uh, Max Headroom, for that, that's what brought me over. When I came over, they said, oh, you can't be, Mor- you can't be Morgan Shepard. I said, why not? Because there's already a Morgan Shepherd, racing driver, NASCAR driver, redhead guy too, which is funny. I used to have red hair. <laughs> and uh, so I said, what can we do? And they went, you're going to lose your name. I said, I'm 30 years I've had right. that name. Come on. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a bit name, but uh, you know, I'm a little name. <laughs> so they uh, said, okay, so W Morgan Shepherd, William Morgan Shepherd, which is I was William anyway. So that's, but it does look pompous. As soon as I'm 82 now, I'm hoping that before I shuffle off this mortal coil, I will actually get down to just being just being Morgan Shepherd. Well, I think first of all, when since you're 82 and you've been acting forever and it's great background, you can go, you can be W. Morgan because if anyone can be pompous, an older <laughs> actor with an accent can be pompous. That's your right. And I think if anyone else now, what's going to happen is some pompous, real pompous kid is going to come in and his name's going to be W. Morgan Shepherd. And he's going to want your name and you're going to be like, no, man, back yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so how? Okay, you, you know, when you were young. When you're growing up, did you always know you wanted to act, or at what no, point? No, no, no. I slid into acting by accident. I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. I was in the Merchant Marine for a start, and I went to sea and then um, served in the, just in the Merchant Marine and on oil tankers, and that got me around the world. It really did get me around the world for a couple of years. And then I came out, got a job. Um, I was, don't forget, see, I was born in London, but educated in Ireland. Okay, now how did that happen? What was it? Your War. parents moved? Or? War. Okay. The Germans were after me. Okay. They really were. Uh, we took it personally in those days. <laughs> <laughs> and what they did was they got rid of the kids in London. They just got rid of the kids. I went to Granny Shepherd in Dublin. My father was Irish. My mother was English. And I went to the ancestral home. Joke. And um, I was brought up there in, in Ireland. So when I got to England, I had a thick Irish accent, a really thick one. And uh, so anyway, I went in the Merchant Marine, I came out of that, got a good job, you could then, and um, enjoyed what I was doing, and started doing stand-up, and I wasn't very funny. So you did stand up. I, I did stand up. Because I did stand up back when it was in the eight, late 80s, early 90s, but it must just explain the scene then, because first of all, it's in England, and this is, what year is this? This is amazing. Uh, 1950, uh, I went to Rod in 56, about 50. 1954. Now, was this before Tommy Cooper? Oh, no. Tommy was around. Okay. Because no, I've heard of him because my father's oh, name is Tom Cooper. I mean, and... you know. Oh, unbelievable. Um, There's a whole bunch of them. There really were. And he was genius. And um, I I did, I got stranded, the usual story in that game, very unscrupulous managers and agents and all that. And I was known as the, the, the naughty young boy from town. Were you, was your act dirty? Oh, God. I, I tried to be, but I was always a bit reserved. So it never worked, you know, because you were pulling your punches. You know. But, I mean, I used to do terrible, terrible stuff when I think about it. Uh, but it's helped me in this because my career has been based upon, to a very large extent, it appears, funny and dangerous. 
That's actually been said to me on, on quite a few occasions. See, that's very cool because, you know, they both go together, too, because if you're funny and if you're on the edge, if you're funny and you're corny, you're just funny, stupid. Yeah. But if you're funny and you're on the edge, on the edge can lead to dangerous. Right. I started out funny, stupid. Okay. And then, it's <laughs> yeah. just like dumb very jokes. Very broad and, you know, and old-fashioned and over the top. And, uh, no, it, 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 it was unsatisfactory, and I knew it was. So I... Um, well, I had some eye problems. This is plastic. See, you know, what's funny is I'm legally blind in the sight. And I'm, I'm, I was born with a congenital cataract. And for me, I've always had a lazy eye. And I never, because we grew up a kid with a plastic eye. And some people don't understand when they go, well, you're legally blind. So you, you have a fake eye. I go, no, I'm just legally blind. It's just when I get tired, it leads in. Right. So now, were you born with an eye problem? Or how no, about- I was born normal. Okay. Uh, but they, at birth, it was a medical malpractice. They uh, washed baby's eyes out with solution of silver nitrate, and they did too much, and they blinded a kid next to me, and then they semi-blinded my right eye and left me with about 25-30% vision. Okay. They tried. They tried to to mend the damage they'd done, apparently, um, but they couldn't really do it then. And um, Okay, so we jump to back to the Merchant Marine coming out of it. I'm now 21, 22. I don't know what to do with my life, really, although I'm enjoying the job. I'm making, I'm a salesman. I'm doing okay. And, um, but it's something keeps pulling me, and I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. It was girls normally, but uh, an awful lot of the time. Uh, anyway, so I went in for another operation. I'm now, haven't had an operation since I was seven. Okay. Now they're going to, take care of me at 22, 23. And they tried the art. The art worked. I saw for the first time out of this eye um, in 20-odd years, and then it went kaput. Oh, really? So you had the vision and then gone? Yeah, kaput. Absolutely went. And um, I so I came out of there with uh, minus an eye and uh, angry. I mean, really well, of course. Really? I mean, especially at that age. I mean, we're at that age. It's like, you know, you, you sit there. I mean, for me, when I was little, it was a pain in the ass not being able to see. And people don't understand. I always tell people, our death perception sucks. If you see me try to parallel oh, park, what? it takes me forever. You, you, you should you see me parking. <laughs> no, I saw you, but you pulled up pretty good. You had a good, but that was a wide open spot. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. But you know what it's like. Or if people oh. come to the side. You sit there and you don't see them and they think you're rude because you bump into them. You're like, you're I didn't see You're on my blind them. side. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, so to cut a very long story short, I got into amateur dramatics, but not of the worst kind. Community theatre can be, can be not always of the highest standard, but there are many, many groups around who've got ex-pros who didn't quite, who had families and didn't want to be stuck being a, a working actor making $5,000 a year, which right. is what, you know, that's the average for so many of our guys. Um, and uh, so I joined them, and I joined them before I lost the eye. Then I lost the eye. And this is an absolutely true story. I came out. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. And um, I went back to them. I went back to the, to the players. And I stood outside, and uh, a guy called came out, called Michael Palmer, came out, looked at me, and now we're talking 1955. And he says to me, oh, my God, you're here. You're back. Are you all right? And I went, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Bum, bum, bum. laughs> Knocking over just about everything. And he went in, apparently, and he just said to them, i got Morgan outside, and he's in bad shape. Very bad shape. So <laughs> talk about luck. He said, I don't want to do that role you've offered me. And they went, what, that role? Now, you can imagine, in the English community theatre, Southern Senator, Southern, I mean, we're talking Alabama, Georgia, right? You can imagine the accents. Right. <laughs> right? Anyway, so I walk in and they look at me, they're great. Now, the woman who runs that company is the next pro, ex-professional. She used to run Guild. She was worked with Gilgood for years. And marvelous, marvelous, that English eccentric. She looked at me and it cut, I'll cut, and we, uh, I started... I went in on stage, six weeks later, the show opens, The Deep of the Roots, Deep by the Roots, an American play about slavery in the deep south. 
two professionals on the expert pros on that stage who had worked gave it up for marital reasons or whatever children couldn't hack it as actors so as pros so they decided they was going to community theater and the standard is pretty good it's really pretty good i i storm on doing my what i thought was a brilliant southern accent and uh, i came on and did it and just a couple of scenes went back went back on again and they started booing wow um remind me to tell you about marassad later on um because i had this happen to me sort of before in a strange way booing i came off and look, I was like, what have i done you know shit it's all right go back on get back on i got back on they still booed me they were about 200 people watching the show booing me and i got off and suddenly she went oh i said watch they're not booing you darling they're booing the cabinet so you did it so well that they they, they took you they were like we hate um, this guy <laughs> they hated me right <laughs> So, great. Okay, so that was it. After that, I played every lead there for a year. Terrific stuff with good people. Good, good people. Top-class amateurs, or, you know, they, who loved the theater. They loved what they did, and they did it out of love. And after, after a while, she just said to me, uh, I bet you five pounds you can't get into RADA. I went, what, the Royal Academy? She did. I said, that's pro talk. Right. She said, yes, five quid, five pounds, darling boy, Teresa Cordona, that you won't get into Rome. I went, and she went, go on, go for it. So cut along, stop, cut, don't keep repeating that. Walked onto the stage at RADA about uh, a couple of months later. Now that's about, then there were about 50 people auditioning For for, for one. One spot. spot, okay. One spot. So it's a, it's, it's a hard. I mean, it, that's a hard. It's a contest, and it's yeah. It's basically, and if they don't like you right you, off the you're bat, out you're screwed. Of there. Yeah. yeah, it's like Letterman. Right. You know, if you're not funny, bite. You know, that break, you've gone. You're exactly. Gone. Anyway, so and you're all the way through. You're mentored all the way through. I was with. Can you believe it? Uh, 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 Brian Epstein. Okay. Man, uh, the Beatles. Yeah. So he was. Be- he didn't get all the way through, Brian. Oh, Lovely that's Brian. That's so crazy. And this is another story, which I could. I mean, you know, I knew him very well. Used to have tea with my mom. Anyway, <laughs> Brian Epstein. You know, he could buy the that? universe. And it's Ringo Starr's birthday today, <laughs> yeah. so it's all coming right, together. Yeah. Whatever happened to that? Yeah, oh, <laughs> we know. God bless. Him. Anyway, so uh, I went on stage. I did my two pieces, and suddenly there, as I came off the stage, <clears throat> next um, there was the boss, John Fernald, naval ex naval commander, had decided that the British theatre had got so pansy and so West End and so nice play that the working class were not getting in at all. And this is quite a class thing. He'd had a good war. Okay. So, you know, he was one of these guys. <laughs> he was standing there waiting for his, uh, come here, what's your name? Shepherd. All right, Shepherd. Um, we want to offer you a scholarship. That accent of yours is terrible. I mean, we've got to fix it. I said, what? He said, we're going to offer you a scholarship. <laughs> I said, I'm not sure if I want to do it. I really wasn't. I had a good job. And he went, oh, God, make up your mind. There's 800 people want to get into this building. All right, I'll give you two weeks. Okay, I started a few weeks later. Two weeks. He sent for me. He said, well, Shepard? And I went, oh, God, I love it. I love it. And he went, well, be like you too. I think you can do it. So shall we stay on? I said, oh, yeah. I said, it's the women, you know. And he went, when I was 25, I know they're all 20. Well, so many so many actors have said that. They go, yeah, you know, once we saw all the women, we said, forget the job. That was Brando. Me. Right. <laughs> he was trained by Stella Adler. You know, and he went to the actor's studio because the, the, the better looking chicks right. were there. <laughs> well, I did the same thing without knowing that. I'd rather. Um, but he said, I don't want to know that. And uh, the end of that story is years later, around about 1970. Yeah, around about 1970. I graduated, of course, all that. Um, and after 18 months, he sent for me again. And he went, just seen you in your, your thesis play. And um, you're gone. 
wait a minute, Brian. He said, you're, you're out of here. I said, what? What? I haven't finished the course. I've got another six months to go. I mean, and the you know the medals and prizes and you know am I one? Oh, <coughs> aren't I up for anything? And he went, oh, you've won one. He said, Shepard, you've been offered a job. Go. So now. you were offered a professional job before you graduated. And so, and what was that job? Uh, a play with Moira Shearer by some American writer of something Benjamin, um, one of those. A very bland play about the, the gods. In Greek, it was very, very in at the, the time. In 1956, it was very, very, very... 58, 1958. Anyway, so um, I went to the Theatre Royal... The, the, the Lyceum Theatre Edinburgh, the Royal Lyceum Theatre, and uh, appeared on stage with Moira Shearer. And this was straight before you graduated? Straight from Rada before I graduated. I, I did graduate. They just sent me my stuff on. I said, you want a prize? For the actor who made the most progress in his time at Rada. And I started out as an actor in 1958. And the upshot of that story is, as I say, 20-odd years later, well, no more, 30 years later, I was taking my mother to into hospital at Gower Street, which is just up the road from Rada. I moved the car, my wife was put my mom in the wheelchair, put her in, and a man came towards me with one leg and was hopping and with crutches. Now, I went to get him a wheelchair. He said, no, 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 please don't, don't, don't. I want to do it myself, I have to learn. And he looked at me and he went, oh my God, it's Morgan. And it was John Feld. Oh, wow. And he just said to me, I'm so proud of you. And I've had people like that, you see. It's it's not just... Our game's a lot of it's about luck. You've got to be able to use it when you get it. Right. You When they, get, when they open the door, you better go in. You know. But um, that was Fernald, and he just turned to the guy behind him, the young young actor who got him in, eventually did get him in a wheelchair, and suddenly he's, he's one of mine. And uh, I had the same kind, of, same kind of relationship with Peter Brook, Okay. At the RSC. Um, I'm presuming, if he hears this, um, because Brookie, with Brookie, you're in the trenches. I did three years with Peter Fry. I eventually got into Royal Shakespeare. I started out 1950, 58, uh, working about five years later as a working pro. I was working fairly steadily. Um, married with a kid who's now doing very well. The kid, he's starring in Supernatural. My son, he plays the devil. In Supernatural. I'm going to tell you something about Supernatural. Jim Beaver, who was in it, was on my show. Yeah. And uh, I I tweeted, and Jim Jim redid my tweet that he was going to be on the show. Honestly, in like 35 minutes, I had like 370 likes. I keep hearing on my phone, bing, bing, bing. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Right. Bing, because it bings bing. on Twitter. Because bing. everyone, Supernatural has such a huge following. And Jim was on it for five years, I believe. And he just said, and I had another guy who played Cupid in one episode, and he said he was on one episode, he had all these beautiful French girls sending him these messages. Yeah. He goes, French yeah. girls yeah. love Supernatural. Yeah. Well, Marshawn's been b- bumped up to a series regular now, so he's playing the devil, Crowley. And it's um, he's good. He's, he's good. And this show's been running 11 years, I think, something like that. Yeah, it's very, I mean, yeah, it's been for a long time. And as you say, the following is huge. But, of course, with my son, it comes from, also, he was in Battlestar Galactica, which was big and has a big fan base. Um, And he's he's, he's right at the minute. He's he's in L.A. at the moment, but he's just going to Vancouver now, uh, tonight, um, to to shoot some more. Um, Anyway, so I'm... Eventually, I auditioned for the Royal Shakespeare Company, which is then the, there was no National Theatre. Olivier got that going later. But the the biggest company in England then was, and the best, was the Royal Shakespeare Company. And it was something like, the figures were about 400 people auditioning for four spots. So it's the same. I mean, it's it's, it's even harder than... Same, same. Even even harder than Ryan. Right. And I went there, I auditioned, they sent for me again for a callback and said, um, Charles Maravitz, the American assistant to Peter Brook, saw me and was great. And he said, I want to bring you back for Peter. Said, okay. Um, keep the same piece that you're doing. So I did, I did it and 
as I started to go into my audition, I mean, I you can imagine, you know, oh, yeah. and even me. I mean, I don't scare easy, but I, I, I it was. That's the highest of oh, the high. I mean, yeah, that's like that's yeah, like you know. You don't want to blow this. Oh my god, and I can't. Oh, shut up, Morgan. Stop it. Anyway, so um, that was me banging the table again. Sorry. Hey, um, I didn't hear it. Yeah. Okay. It's all good. Okay. And uh, Brooke got him, God bless him, sitting there. And uh, I started to do Cassius. I know that virtue to be in you, Brutus, as well as I do. Cut! Uh, I'd like to hear, do it as El McGantry. <sighs> <laughs> I know that virtue to be in you, Brutus, as well as I'm trying to do my very, very bad Burt Lancaster, right? And then, cut! Um, Harold Macmillan. This went on all the way through the speech. Fine, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Shepherd. And uh, got to the edge and had a nervous wait. And that afternoon, my agent rang me and um, he said, you've been accepted to the Royal Shakespeare Company and the salary will be 18 pounds a week. Um, but you've been offered a job in Robert and Elizabeth, the musical at 35 pounds a week. And um, if you take the Royal Shakespeare Company job at 18 pounds a week, um, you don't need me as a manager. Which was a, a, a nasty way, oddly enough. It wasn't a nice way of doing it. He just didn't want to know. Because I was going into art, if you like, right. rather than commercial. I'd, I'd made the choice. I never regretted it, by the way. Never regretted it. Um, and um, I joined them with Glenda Jackson and some marvelous people and realized I had to start all over again. So I started learning all over again. And uh, it's like uh, Casals said about uh, playing the, 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 the violin. He said that the, um, somebody said, oh, you're still practicing every day. He said, oh, yes because I can see some slight improvement. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you know, for somebody like 80 at the time or something, you know, good for him. And I, I, that's me too. I had three years with Brooke. I was in Marasad. And what happened with Marasad on Broadway was we were about to go on on Broadway, to enter on Broadway with the Royal Shakespeare Company. So you were coming to over to Broadway? Over to Broadway and okay. from Stratford, where the show had been a hit. Now, had you been to New York before? Uh, no, not at that time. Okay. This is around 66, 67. Walked, uh, we, uh, Brooke, we were all playing the mad, the mad lunatics in this play. It's a play about a lunatic asylum in Paris in eight, uh, 1812. Um, Brooke said, now, before we go on, I just want you to know they're all, company, they're all Shakespeare Company are bankrupt. Um, so we've got to be a hit tonight. <laughs> Glenda just went, oh, no pressure, no pressure. Which, of course, is Brooke. Um, he whispered a little mantra, which is what he used to do, into everybody's ear. My mantra was, Morgan, you've lost your troop. Get it back. And on stage, I went on to Broadway. Made the cover of Life magazine, three of us. Really? So was that was that much of an impact? Was that much of a hit? It was a good role. So so now that happens, and now do you want to stay in America now? Because people must have been like, get this guy to work, or did you want to go back to England? No, was... no, I went back. I okay. went back. Was there any reason why? Or no, it, it was. I, I loved what I was doing there in England. I knew how chancy it was. By then, I'd become, you know, pro. So I'd been what a pro now for eight, yeah, eight or nine years. So I sort of knew what was going on. But I was thinking about films. It's not Hollywood. And films only for acting, because I'd have to act more truthfully in film. You can't get away with it. In right. Film. You, otherwise, you got, you know. So, and then Pat McGee, bless him, had a heart attack on stage as Desire. We dragged him off. He didn't do the second half because he was sent straight to hospital. Brooke suddenly gathered us all together just before we were to do the second half of the play at the end of it, and said, "Who's the understudy?" Say more. You? Yes. Have you had a rehearsal? No. Do you know it? Yes. You're on tomorrow. In the morning, 
He said, you're on tonight. Right, just do, let me hear you do the death of Damien, which is the most viciously savage, horrific speech about hanging, drawing, and quartering while you're still alive. And the purpose of the exercise with a skilled executioner is that he keeps you alive long enough until you get to the split with the four horses and good night, Irene. Um, I went on without a rehearsal. I just did the death of Damien and Brooke went, okay, that's enough. You'll find. He's been in, typical, he's been into the valley of death and beyond. That's the note I got. And I went on and it was sold out still. The whole show was sold out the entire run, the entire six months. It was a huge hit. And um, it got me contracts with the Royal Shakespeare Company and being one after the other in, uh, for 12 years. And after 12 years, I finally left because I'd done enough Shakespeare. And we didn't do Shakespeare all the time. We did a lot of, lot of uh, we did Pinter. I mean, my God, did we do Pinter. And they are so good at that kind of thing. Just, as Ian Richardson used to say, said, the reason why we're so good is really because we, you know, we understand it and allow each other's weaknesses. We all know in the company who's on Right. And so we take that under consideration. He knows it. He knows we know it. So that's cool. Because the job's more important. We are carrying a banner in a way. And it was that. And to end that story, um, at the banner, one of my students, I teach acting, one of my students went and saw Brooke in Paris. And she said, I, I studied with Morgan Shepherd, And he went, Morgan, oh, yes, apparently. Oh, how is he? She said, he's, he's good. He's worked a lot. So I believe, so yes. And he started drawing on a um, napkin, table napkin. And now remember that was now 30, about 30 years after he'd seen me, last seen me. And he drew on there, which was my first role for him. He remembered. Nice, you know. In 30 years, all the shows he's done, he remembers my first role. He must have made an impact. Well, that's it's more a measure of the, the quality of these sort of people. They're, it's, they're exceptional. Um, it's like working with O'Toole. Uh, I worked several times. We, we, we got on eventually, being two Irishmen. <laughs> My temperament is Irish, it really is. Um, and uh, Peter, <laughs> we got very close one night. We got very close to it. Um, and uh, an argument, put it that way, because we're on the radio. Uh, we had an argument, and um, he was he was quite... Accurate. We were very bad in this play. It's very bad play. Very bad production. And we were all playing villagers and all that kind of crap. And it was, it was you know, it really was. And of course, he's, he was then. Um, and uh, he looked at a bunch of us. And he went, Where did you learn to act? Bridlington Rep. Which is about the worst place in England. In the world. Probably. And I came back with something like, and you've been, you're playing this like Jesus Christ on a bicycle. And so that, 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 that. The ending to that was two years later. We're doing a, a Brook play, a Brook production, Genèse Le Parvo, about Algeria and torture and foreign legion and all that. And this is what he's drawing on the thing. My, it was then my first play. Wow. And the little man with the kepi, little French kepi, and a banner. And, and on evoke four, on evoke four, and that's I've still got it, of course. And uh, that's what he gave me. He gave her, and she brought it back to me. Um, and with the, you know, to finish the O'Toole story, um, I did a gag, which was being the, the lieutenant. I was the, and he was, and Brooks. Brooks dictum was this: I want you to play the, the French, uh, the foreign legion lieutenant. He's gay. One swish and you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> you can. This is said with 
utter seriousness. <laughs> and, you know, and, and we loved him. And, you know, and, uh, he was honest, the most honest. Probably, as Peter Hall said, the, the greatest non-bullshit director in the world, which is probably what he was. Was, still is, bless him. He's 80. We're the same age. He's about 82 now. All right. Yeah, he's just retired. He says he's retired. Um, anyway, um, O'Toole is standing at the end of the show, standing on the gantry at um, Donmar Theatre, which is where the play opened in Soma for Donmar. And there's O'Toole in a camel hair coat. And he just come off Lawrence. And he looked, and I will say this, he looked beautiful. And I just looked at him and uh, being the dick I was sometimes, walked towards him and said, you're on my patch now. And I was going <laughs> to take care of something, some unfinished business. Before I could do anything, he'd grabbed me, kissed me full in the lips and said with a smile, you one-eyed Irish ham, I didn't know you could act. He'd waited through the show. He'd waited after after the show to come and tell me that. That's the measure of some of these guys. Right. Schofield, Finney, Brian Cox. You know, I work with these guys. Um, and when you get that, you get that marvelous thing that the Tarantino said. Not about me, but he said about the American actor, he said, the younger ones, with respect, he said, don't quite have the discipline that the older ones do, because the older ones have been in the services. Right. Hey, yeah. All ex-Marines. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what happens. I mean, that's what, yeah. So now, now you, well, you were in England. Now, how did you get to America? You said, because how did that happen? I was left the RSC in 1975. I came back to Broadway, did another show, Sherlock Holmes. In? The Gillette, yeah, Broadway. Okay. That was another six-month show. It was a great show. And went back to England again. I had a kid. I couldn't take, you know, I couldn't leave, really. Right. Because I was married with a, with a, with, with a one son. And um, anyway, uh, I did a show called Max Headroom. Now, how did you get that part? Because I remember that. Because Max Headroom was, if people don't remember, Max Headroom started off as a commercial. And it was a seven, I think it was for seven up. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. And his head, and it was, and then all of a sudden, Everyone loved it. I mean, no one had, well, first of all, no one had seen that kind of character on a commercial, especially. Oh, yeah, right. And then, so they decided to make a series. Very progressive. Now, they no, shot. They didn't decide to okay. make a series. They, forgive me. Oh, no, they, no. They made um, a solo TV movie. And now you were in that. I was in that. But they, did they shoot that over here or no, over there? No, they shot that in England. Oh, okay. With an English cast. That Christmas, we'd won the Ace Cable Award in the summer. That Christmas, I was out of work, and the phone went, and a voice said, my, it was my producer of that show, uh, do you have a passport? I went, yeah. Valid? Yeah. Do you want to come to Hollywood? Do you want me? He said, I want you. They don't want you. Americans don't want you. They don't, they, they don't want to pay the freight. But uh, I want you. I've got to have you. I insist. Blank Reg. Blank Reg, ex-paratrooper. XDJ, son of a bitch, wonderful character, wonderful. Um, top, I mean, we introduced the Liverpool kiss. Okay. The, you know. So, so they brought you over to play that part. To play that part, and I uh, was told yet again, we don't really want to. How does that make you feel though? And you figure because you, you had that part in the movie in England. You're a trained actor. O'Toole likes you. I mean, Christ's sake, it's like, it's like, you know, it must sit there sometimes. People sit there. If, I mean, it must it must piss you off, especially because, you know, I know how you Irish guys are. You, you, can, get, you can get feisty. I mean, did you ever yeah. just want to punch one of these producers oh, in yeah. the face? I mean, just say, what do you, you don't know crap. I mean, did you ever want to do that? Well, it goes, it's baggage, which goes with it. It goes so often. And it's gone, it's gone to better people than me. It's gone to bigger people than me. It's gone where it costs more than it can cost me. Not getting that job. Right. I can all. I I'm a character actor, and uh, I do a lot of voices and stuff like that without doing, getting out of continual, hopefully continual growth about getting out of, um, 
just sounding the same, being stereotypical, doing the ordinary, doing what's expected, giving the audience what they expect to get, but not in the way they expect to get it. That That's what the best actors do. And I've learned so much out here. I really have. Look at the people I've worked with. You mean, like, you know, Ed Harris, Max von Sydow, uh, directed by Michael Mann, David Lynch, J.J. Um, Abrams. Um, who else? Uh, Lynch, Abrams. Um, it, it just goes on. It we, just goes on. Because you've done a lot of Star Trek, different Star Trek episodes. And Star Treks, and they're great. Oh, they're great. Wonderful. Now, That's a family. Now, what's that like? Because I've heard once you do a Star Trek, yeah. no matter what part it is, the fans look at you, and then they look at all your work. Robert Picardo is on. He said he did Star I'm Trek. I'm going to, in August, next month, to Las Vegas okay. for that, for exactly what you're talking okay, about. Okay, because they said, because like they, I had a guest on last week, Scott McDonald, who mm-hmm. played a monster. Right. Always in makeup, and he does the conventions, and they right. go... But you played all these things. It is such a. It must be a great feeling because you've been in a few different Star Treks. Four. So you've been in four. So you've sort of gotten all the different fans. It's not like you know. It's not like. And I'm one. A, and I'm in the age bracket. I get the middle aged as well. Right. You know. Really. So I've heard. I mean, this. It must make you feel great because I heard they're just such adoring. Oh. They they have a lot of questions. But it must. What's it? I mean, I've heard. Like, has anyone ever just come up? I mean, I mean, I've heard. And they, they know everything. I mean, Listen, I tell you. Tell me, tell me a story about uh, one of your Star Trek people. Orlando, Florida, right? Guy walks up to me. He's Mr. Shepard. I went, yes. I've been wanting to meet you for 15 years, and we shook hands anyway. Why is it you only play small parts? <laughs> and all I could say was, well, they didn't start out like that. <laughs> You know, but on the other hand, you get things like the cop stopping me outside the DMV for doing, that was an illegal U-turn. Show me your license. Looked at my license and go, Mr. Shepard. Oh, God, I can't give you a ticket. My mom loves you. (laughs) (laughs) Now... Now the Star Trek came from. Now after you did Max Headroom, did you decide to stay in the states? Yeah. Okay, so you, and did now did you bring your family over? Nope. Okay. No, my wife was had the boy at school, and we couldn't really disrupt his thing, and um, disrupt his schooling really, and we believed in it because that was, he was the only one we could afford. <laughs> um, and I was so I was here from 1986, and uh, got good agents and. Um, Eventually, did my first Western in 1987 with James Arness. Can you imagine a, a boyhood dream? Oh, God, I of know. Of me in the garden in Dublin when I was seven, running around, playing the fighting 69th. Jimmy Cagney, Cagney, Pat O'Brien. I'd seen that at the local cinema. I went back and reenacted it with my pals um, in the back garden. I then stood on that same ground where they filmed that uh, 40, 50 years later. Now, you also did a, a voice show, Biker Mice. Oh, Limburger, yeah. Now, yeah. what was, okay, now how did that come about? Because, and now, I, as I look in your thing, it, it ran for 65 episodes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a nice little, yeah. nice little it gig. It was a gig, good gig. And you just worked. Now, how did that come about? Did someone hear your voice and say, we yeah. want you to audition? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. Well, Brad, uh, it was, it, look at Brad Garrett, Rob Paulson, I mean, Iron Zeering. I mean, terrific guys, you know, wonderful. And, of course, it's so wonderful to work with radio guys because you'll suddenly get the four of them so. And the director, the folly guy, would say, I tell you what, we need a, an alien Elvis brother. And suddenly four guys are standing there doing Elvis. Okay. And, <laughs> you know, and it's, and okay, Brad Garrett got it, or, or whatever, or Jeff Bennett. I mean, you've got these, you work with these guys. But they're, respect, whoops, they're respecting you because I'm there because I've done Shakespeare. And... Limburger had pretensions, although he was a Plutarchian fish. Right. (laughs) He had had pretensions to be Hamlet. And so I began to do stuff like, oh, Chicago. And, of course, that became a catchword. That didn't hurt the show, you know. And, you know, I do a lot of that. I mean, I've got, leaving you, I'll be going back to to play a steam engine. On what show is that? 
I um I can't remember at the okay. moment. So you play a steam engine now? Is yeah, it? Is it, is yeah, it, is it a, a, I'm sorry, I'm auditioning for a steam engine. Is it an English um, yeah. steam engine? No, 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 no. It's got to be American. What are you talking about? So you got to be an American. No, steam yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, do you, do you, I always and I always wonder this about the accent, and I'm going to tell you because it's a killer. Well, no, but originally it was a killer. It, but we always say though, you know, American actors try to do a a, a foreign accent, and they just they don't usually nail it. But I I watch so much TV now. When you sit there and you, okay, well, who's an example? Uh, the last guy I saw doing a British accent on TV, brilliant. He absolutely okay. knew. Somebody that, it wasn't Liv Schreiber. It was somebody like that. Um, one of those sort of new guys. That's very strong American actors. A big, bigger mortician. No, it, I'll get it in a minute. I can't, but I did see, Gina and I were watching it. And suddenly we went, that's cool. He's got it. He nailed it. Absolutely. Why do you think you guys do such great accents? Because I always say it's like it's like if you watch the movie Selma, none of those guys are from. We're better America. trained. And is that what it is? Training. We're better training. I'll tell you what it is. When you join, when you start out in England, then, as I did 57 years ago, when you start out, you are not allowed to do TV or films at the beginning of your career. Okay. The union states categorically. You do 40 weeks of repertory. So you have to do theater. You have to do it to you get even... a ticket. Okay. Full ticket. Then you get TV ticket or TV ticket and then the film ticket. Uh, the same thing, sorry. Um, then you can work. And you get that kind of training in a smaller world, which the British uh, industry is. Um, so you'll do theater, a lot of TV, and the occasional movie. So that's a constant. Um, and so it's training. Guys here, I mean, I've, st I've got them in class, you know, the six weeks, that's it, I'm done. Well, I think that's, it's always a rush here. I think it's also, when I did stand-up comedy, you know, back then we sat there and you knew you had to be doing comedy for a long time before you became a headliner. Because right. back then, a headliner had to do 45 minutes or an hour, mm -hmm. and it was different where, you know, when you're that sitting there. could be there, made by the costume. Yeah, and you, you sit there and you know when you're on stage, if, I mean, if you close a show, it goes a lot before just telling 45 minutes of jokes. You have to deal with the waitresses bringing the checks out, right. bringing the money. And yeah. so people don't understand it. Now, it's a lot of the shows. There's like, I see someone headlining, but there's eight other acts. Like, no, like we're, as openers, yeah. we were doing more time than that person's and doing headlining. it's harder when you're an opener. Oh, yeah. Because you, they don't think you're funny. Right. They're waiting for him. Yep. And that's the way it's just, but I think it's, <laughs> it's a, I think it's just a generation where yeah. I think they just, they 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 don't they don't want to put the time in right and it's it, but that's what we do look at look at pro baseball you know it used to be guys would be in the, the minor leagues the minor, forever right. now it's like oh we're gonna bring from triple A I mean single A up yeah. to the big leagues well once I got when I got Gettysburg which is is a, a, a very underrated movie it's a great movie it's a great war movie uh, I'm playing American um I, then I was set I was I was fine after that they ex Totally accepted the fact that I could, would, did do American. When and all my agent does, that they ring me and they say uh, they wanted American more. Okay. What do you prefer doing? I mean, I know because yeah, I mean, I mean, I know you're you're you know the accent, but do you rather be American because it's more of a stretch for you? Or yeah, it, it, yes. I've just done British. On I forget what it was. <laughs> um, but I, I've just finished an American movie in Texas. Um, good little, very good little movie. Um, with them, um, Barry, you know, what's his name? He's always in Westerns. Barry uh, uh, Corbin, Corbin, Barry okay, Corbin, yeah, and uh, Richard Reeler, and some those American character actors, those the tough ones, the right. strong ones. And I'm doing Texas along with them. I had to pay attention, put it that way. And my director, I've done, I've done four films, but um, all independents and you know low budget, but. That usually terrific quality because they take risks with stuff because right. they, they, as you know um, but you can't do with the, the big studios um, and um, but since Gettysburg they've sort of accepted it and um, this last one I did was a drunken uh, an alcoholic uh, Medal of Honor winner so I really had to pay attention now do you do research like do you oh, watch tapes I mean yeah. so do you, like let's say someone says I get work because I research okay let's say I said okay I wrote a movie and I want you to play someone from where I grew up, South Jersey, Cherry Hill, Philadelphia, tinge of a Philadelphia accent. Would you go on and like 
Google Philadelphia accent, or how would you find out? And, then, sit there, that and then just you listen to it and listen to Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Just play it and play it and play it. Now, how do or, you... Or, as I did for Gettysburg, no, for the lottery, which was a New England... No, no, it wasn't. It was set in South, North, North Carolina. That's right, NC. It was set in NC, the lottery. The mayor. And I've got, um, you know, William... Uh, Daniels, Bill Daniels, I've got uh, Emmett Walsh, I've got all these guys around me. And uh, I stole the accent of um, of um, Edmund O'Brien in The Wild Bunch. Okay. Hey, who the hell is they? Did you do Robert Catrini? Have you done Robert? No. I was off camera going, hey, who? And suddenly Catrini walked past and went, who the hell is they? And I looked at him, we became friends as a result. I said, you know this? Oh, yeah. What about Edmund O'Brien? He's a, 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 you know, terrific actor. Well, you have done a Philadelphia accent passage. You were in an episode of Cold Case, which, yeah. which took place in Philadelphia. I don't know if you had to get yeah. a Philadelphia oh. accent for that, but oh. that takes place in Philadelphia. Yeah, I forget. I've reached that terrible stage where, oh, we loved you, Mr. Shepard, as, as, as Kenneth. Well, Kenneth. What in? You have, mean, yeah. you have 181 IMDb credits. You yeah. can't remember them all. I mean, and you constantly work. Yeah. Now, what was it like being on Mad Men? Because you were on, and and that character, you know what? The character you played his father, and he was, you know, at first you didn't like him, and then you started lighting up on on the sun, and then you saw how you were sort of mean, not you so, very very oh, mean, and just see pushing the racist, him. Right. The so thing. how did how did that? come about and did you knew I mean did you know how I mean of course you knew how big well, that show was Matthew Weiner whom I adore I really do he's a marvelous man to work for he will audition you for if you, when you go into your stuff your sites he will run your scene twice hardly anybody else does that as he doesn't have the time constraint he's being the boss and he micromanages as well okay so um, you will then do it once and then you get your nerves out of the way and then he says let's go again now, just relax, just relax, just relax. You go again, now you go again. And then, uh, I want to see you next Friday. So call me, you're going to call me back. Look, you don't quite know. So look at that. Please, certainly. Sir. Thank you, sir. Off I go. Went back again on the Friday. Ran me through it about four times. The scene, four times. And then apparently ran my agent and said, do you want him? And um, this is true. Interesting. A confession coming. To hell with it. Life's like that. You can learn from it. And you only learn from your mistakes. You only learn from the error. Thank God for the error sometimes. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah totally. Exactly. Gettysburg. I was about to blow a line. I couldn't remember. Was it Ewell or Early? On opposite sides. Which one is it? And I'm on my third take. Which one is it? Big speech with Marty Sheen as Robert E. Lee. Who's another joy to work with? Um, and Tom Berenger and Stephen Lang and Sam Elliott. I mean, God, the people I work with. And um, there's my so called peers. I can't quite get over that. Yeah, well, that's great, though. I mean, that's amazing. Because I, I, I blew it with Mike Kane for the prestige. I went I went up on the first the first speech. first my, Sorry, the first scene. <laughs> and I, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. Um, Nolan went, okay, all right, Molly. let's go again. And Mike came very, very quietly said, well, you screwed that one up, didn't you, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> Except he didn't say screwed. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we had two weeks on that, but three days with Mike Kane talking about acting. And we put it this way, and it's very naughty of me, but I love him dearly. My God, does he work hard. Does he focus? Does he concentrate? Does he? And then he suddenly looks at me and he's suddenly sitting on the stool and he went, I have such difficulty escaping into a role. I went, bullshit. <laughs> and he went, what? Really? I said, yeah. He said, I've only ever done it three or four times. I said, you've done it eight or nine times. Oh, well, the entertainer, the man who came, Hannah and her sisters. Uh, and I went on, I did about eight or nine. And he went, wow. You're a fan? 
a steal from you, <laughs> if you know what I mean. I don't because I'm better. I'm better than that. But um, you make me think of things. You make me feel so young. <laughs> and uh, he then he then he said, "What about you?" I said, "Oh, eight or nine times. Eight or nine times you escape." I said, no, I'm not Michael Caine. Right. You're carrying the picture. I'm walking in, stealing the scene and walking out again. And he went, like you're doing now? I said, like I'm doing now. <laughs> so what happened with Mad Men? I never said this before. You don't have to if you don't want to. It's okay. No, 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 but it's going out in the air. But it's good. It's Matthew Weiner is genius. Anyway, uh, lovely to work for. He watches me do the beats thing. Where, and don't forget, I'm playing a man who wants his son back in England, who has given that son a childhood, of that, a British public school childhood, which is nannies, no love, um, behave yourself, honour, all that absolute English cobblers that you can often get of that class, that class system. And then says, and now I find you kissing a playboy bunny who happens to be colored. It was, and I did it three times. Knocked him, stunt guy. We had a stunt guy to do the hit. I did the hit. And um, Wyner was watching. Was watching. And after went, she went, director. Cut, print. Moving on, he went, yes, more. And Matthew Weiner looked at me and he said, very good, very good. You don't think a lot of yourself, do you? I went, no. He said, why not? I said, Peter Brook. I know how good it is. It's like being a cynic. I'm a cynic. But that's because I know how good it can be. Right. It's not because I think the world is, because it's not. The world's great. The world is full of talent. All you got to do is try and find them, you know, and you see some of the acting that's going on in TV at the moment. It's tremendous. It really is terrific. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, it's the, it is the gold, a second gold, <clears throat> excuse me, second golden age, I think, of television. Well, it's like for me, I mean, you you know, like uh, you mentioned Lib Shriver, you know, Ray Donovan comes on this week. And you see him and John Voight and you Ooh. just watch it and you go, and you watch John Voight and you go, God, I just, I want to. I feel skeezy because he's so good at playing just that scumbag. And there's a show on Netflix called Bloodline. Yeah. And that, that Ben Mendelsohn, right. you watch him and you go. The Wire. Yeah. I mean, they're all. And I just started watching Deadwood because everyone yep. said. And yep. I remember the okay. second episode. Absolutely. But it is. TV is, is such. It's And it's all. It's like the cable TV. And it's, you know, and Mad Men. But it must have been. Now, do people recognize you after the Mad Men? Yes. And did yeah. some people think you were really a racist? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My wife was the one. Of which is my toughest, toughest critic is my wife and myself, which is okay, which is okay. Uh, she just went, I did, I've known you 51 years, we've been married. Didn't know that. You surprised me. Um, it was the viciousness that, um, that came out. Because as um, you've got to go to the dark place, you know. Right. And it's like walking into Michael Bay on Transformers. I did the, the grandpa in that one, and Michael Bay said, to, <laughs> "You don't get a script; you get three pages. Right? That's all you get, and you've got to guess the rest." Because going back to research, I went back to Arctic Antarctic research. Okay. Studied that. Scott Shackleton, Scott Shackleton, I know. Uh, I know about the famous boat trip on in the open seas, which he took his crew uh, and saved their lives by leaving the ship because it was locked, locked, locked solidly in ice, to, took it, whoop, took it to, to Georgia, um, South Georgia, um, by hand, literally. I mean, it's extraordinary what they did. Um, I knew all that before I went in for the first interview. I got a call back. Oh, and Scott, Scott will be there. <clears throat> and I walked in and Scott, he looks at me and he said, I know you haven't got a script, but now just imagine you're coming down a crevasse and the snow 
gives underneath it. And you go shooting down, and suddenly you're picked up, and you are in the hands of, I can't remember the name, Modi, Modi, whatever his name was, Amid, not Amid, I suppose. Anyway, you're in the hand, and you're horrified. I went, why? Well, you've never <laughs> seen a robot before. I said, he's read Jules Byrne, isn't he? I believe that got me the job. I don't know. See, that's cool, though. We only have a few minutes left. And I want to say, the funny thing is, you go from working with Mad Men, then you worked on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which that show cracks me up. And oh, I, yeah. I've watched it from the beginning. And what is, and that set seems like it would be very fun. And you played such a, a, a priest and just, I mean, how did that role come apart? I mean, did they sit there and say, hey, we want this guy to do a comedy? Or did they want, I mean, because it's so, that's well, so I, I out there. My agent is pushing because I do do, I can do comedy. I got known in England for doing comedy. Oh, and the Max Headroom was funny and dangerous. Right. That was the reason they and cast you... me. And the Americans of ABC said, oh, okay, we buy it. That's what you want. He said, yeah. I get bikers auditioning who aren't funny. Right. I get funny guys auditioning who don't frighten me. He can he can do both if he wants to. He can be a son of a bitch. I know him. But he said he's not when he's working. Right. So, he's, yeah. but that must have been a fun shoot. Just because oh. it's, I mean, because I've heard people and they said they're just, they're fun and just, I mean, it must have been great. And you just had the character and you, I mean, it's great. Now, uh, Oh, it was it was a love story. Yeah, it's just it's amazing. Like a love story. It's amazing that the, the the your vast audience when you break it down. You know, you have the Star Trek people, then the Mad Men people, then even it's always in sunny in Philadelphia. People recognize you because that has once again a very devout following. And then yeah. you look back. You were in MacGyver. You're yep. you're in Babylon Five. Yeah. Which my next guest was in Babylon Five. Uh, right. Claudia Christian. Another great. Oh, lovely lady. She's on my next yep. guest. Yep. And so so it must be crazy when you go somewhere because you must get recognized by people like a, a a whole different ages that know you from something. Yeah. And it must be great. Well, it is because what we what what what's happened is also my agent talking like the way you're talking right at this moment, uh, being recognized. He's got Paul Guilfoyle, and he's got Bruce Davison, he's got me, he's got a bunch of other people, our agent. One of our agents. Ian. We, Ian, our hey, lovely Ian. Ian's been on the yeah, show. Yeah, and that thing. Right, and I, I, I saw you in that, and I've yeah. had a few guys in I love that movie. Yeah. And I love that, that gal also, I watched well, that. Well, we got, and the gal's one I haven't seen yet, but it's, it, it's on Showtime, right? Yeah. I want to see that. Anyway, um, oh, Ian's a, he's great, he's a really a great fella. He's a great lad. Um, oh, I forgot what I was going to do. Uh, About all, every people recognize you, your agent said different. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that they just do. You get it in Ralph's occasionally. <laughs> or if, if you don't get it in Gelson's because they're all too stuck up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Plug. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I go to Sprouts. <laughs> oh, that's too far. Where do you live? You live in Sherman Oaks. Okay, well, the other sprout, I go to the Sprouts in Burbank. But yeah. you have a Gelson's right there in Sherman Oaks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you have a Whole Foods in Sherman Oaks. Yes. Which pisses my girlfriend off because our Whole Foods, I live in Burbank, our Whole Foods is in Glendale. And she's like, like I'm not driving over to Glendale no, to overpay. Yeah. Yeah. I said, yeah. Sprouts, it's just as good. And TJ's, Trader Joe's, even though you yeah, can never. That's, oh, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah There's a TJ's Woodland in Sherman Hills. Oaks. Yeah, There's, yeah. Oh, they're all yeah, over. Yeah. But anyway, I want to thank you for coming on. Right. Uh, it was great to meet you. And uh, now, do you do you do did you tweet at all or anything like that? No, I don't tweet. What do you got? I, I Facebook. Okay, now you Facebook. And what is your Facebook name under? Uh, Morgan Shepherd. Okay, because I don't know if there's W Morgan Shepherd, yeah, William Morgan yeah, Shepherd. Yeah. Okay, well I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna add you later. Uh, please, please do. And I want to thank you. And now, what anything big project coming up soon? Uh, nothing big coming up, but there's a nice one coming up in next week. I'm off to Colorado to play an old coal miner, who's. Uh, in jail for 30 years. And you'll be in Vegas? And I'll be in Vegas in August. For a uh, for convention. Okay. For the Star Trek. It's a Star Trek one. And um, what else? Yeah. And voiceovers. And well, I want to we'll see you. what happens. I want to thank okay. you for coming on. Uh, we, we're not leaving yet. We have to, we have to, get, a, we have to get a picture. We've pounded. We've fist pounded. I can't, I can't reach. But uh, people, so go check him out on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter, at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. I always tweet. Go to my website, coopertalk.net. I have over 390 episodes. And you can email me through there, cooper at coopertalk.net. I always respond to my emails. Find me on iTunes or Stitcher, and it's just Cooper Talk, one word. And don't forget my new website, stopthesalt.com. Remember when I got out of the hospital, I, I wrote a cookbook, a low-sodium cookbook, Cooking for One, because you have to be healthy. And, you know, I was in the hospital for four days with a heart problem. And you know what? 
It's not, you know, especially if you're younger, when you're in a cardiac unit, it's a scary-ass place because you're sitting there and you can't get out of the room and you feel better and you're hooked up to stuff. So go buy that. Buy that from my website. You can buy it on Amazon or you can buy it on Barnes & Noble. But if you go to StopTheSalt.com, I'll sign it for you. I'll ship it to you. Don't follow me to my address. And I make more money. So keep on listening, people. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamin. I'll talk to you next week.